0: All right, you know, I know it's Christmas season, and so I had actually prepared a Christmas sermon for today, and then I felt like after last week talking about my accident and the problem of evil and how do you reconcile that bad things happen to good people, and I had a lot of conversations with people about that, I decided to uh, change that a little bit, and I just want to talk about what do you do when life's not fair? Life's not fair. Is that news to anybody? Is that news? Because I feel like you have to be kind of live, live a pretty basic life if you aren't, don't realize that life's not fair yet. It's not fair. It is not fair. It's not fair. And there may be somebody here and you're thinking, well, yeah, it's not fair. Where do we get that idea, though, that life would be fair? Now, there is a concept in other religions called karma where if you do enough good things then I deserve good things. And if you just read the book of Proverbs and don't really pay attention to what Proverbs actually are, then you might get the idea that if you do these things, then everything will be perfect. But the fact is, life isn't like that. And the Bible doesn't really teach karma. In fact, the book of Proverbs are Proverbs. And what that means is, if you do these things generally, things are going to be better. And that's true. If you work hard, generally, you're going to be successful. And if you follow all the rules, then generally things will work out right. But that is different than saying and getting into our heart and mind and spirit that I deserve a life that's perfect. Do do you? I know some people who do, believe me. Some of you in here do deserve perfect lives. I get that. But where do we get that idea? I say this a lot, and I really do believe this. Everything starts in the garden. All of our misconceptions about God and life started right there. Because what did God do? He promised. He promised them they could have everything, but don't eat this. And rather than trusting that He was good and that what He said was good, and if He said it that way, He said it for a good reason. The enemy was able to get Adam and Eve to doubt God's goodness and to think. Maybe he's holding something back from me and maybe it's better over there and maybe somebody else has something better and it's not fair that I don't have all of that. And I want to be like God. Think about the comparison trap that we live in today. Social media, I do enjoy it. I, I, I think it can be a good thing. But all it really does is magnify. If you think that life's not fair, it will magnify it. You know how? Because <laughs> everybody on there looks good, Right? I mean, how many times do you look at a picture and think, oh, she should have taken that picture over, right? Because she looks better than that. Not very often. I mean, there are times. There are times, right? But most of the time, we're putting our best out there. and It's our highlight reel of the week. And you're not living that life. And you compare. And you wonder, why isn't it fair? I mean, I'm a good person. And we start to complain. And we don't accept what and how God made us. And we start to look at it and we think, I want my way over God's way. And what we do is we start to think, we start to doubt, is God good? Because life's not fair. And with that perspective, can you really ever be grateful for anything? We're getting ready to come to Christmas. Have you ever had this experience? I remember as a kid visiting family and like you were visiting, right? We didn't bring all our presents, but we get there and the house we went to, my cousin, all her presents were there. And I remember sitting there as a little kid and like, she gets everything, right? And I remember my mom. I love my mom. She's like, did you really want a doll? I mean, <laughs> I'm like, no, but she's like, but what? These are her pre- Your presents were at home. We- you're right. <sighs> Why are we like that? What is that about that we have this entitled feeling that my life is supposed to be perfect and I'm owed everything that I'm not owed? You know, part of it is being an American, I'm very happy to be an American. I'm proud to be an American. I love America. But there's something about living here that changes your perspective on life because we have it really good. Most of us have never suffered a day. De- I never liked vegetables growing up. Didn't Is that wrong? Is there really a reason for lima beans? I mean, what's the point of that? I mean, seriously, it's like paste. Paste with a thin veil that's gross. I mean, why? My mom never said this, but I know people say, what about the kids in Africa or China, whatever, pick your... I never heard that. I just heard, appreciate that you have something to eat and eat it all. We feel entitled. We're Americans. We have freedom that the entire world does not even comprehend. It doesn't. I know I've told this story before, but we're in Jamaica, and we're we leaving. Um, we're leaving where the airport was, and we're heading up to the mountains where we were going to work. And as we were there, there's a huge traffic stop, and what had happened is somebody had stolen something from somebody, and they were literally stopping everybody and searching every vehicle, and then grabbing people. I said to the taxi driver, "Hey, what's going on?" And he looked at me. He said, "Well, we're not Americans." I'm like, "What?" He goes, "We don't have a Bill of Rights." I'm like, how do you know about that? He goes. What they're doing, he goes, they've already got, he said, I don't know, I'm just saying what he said. He said 4,000 people in custody with no rights. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, we don't have your loss. It's America, right? So it's me first. It's about my pleasure, what I want, my luxury, my happiness over anything else, whether that means promises I've made or duty. I need to be happy. And I define happiness for me over you. We should all have an easy life, right? And be comfortable in life. The best food. The best clothes. The best cars. Notice I said cars. You realize most of the world doesn't even have a car. And most of us in this room have more than one, in our family at least. Where do we get those ideas? I'm sorry, but it's not from scripture. It's not from Christianity. Think about Jesus. We're, we're heading into Christmas. The birth of Jesus. How many, I was walking my dog last night and I was enjoying the lights and, and it came across one house with a, a nativity scene. And I, it just struck me. The nativity scene, think about it. It is the most basic, plain, and in the, in the world it would have been in, it would have been not clean, Right? And if animals were there, I mean, right? to poor couple, young couple, right the, you know what dresses that whole scene up was the three wise men, who actually probably weren't there at the birth. they would have came later. But they look pretty gaudy, if I'm being honest, right? At this place, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, "dang, those guys don't fit. I mean, they got all these robes and fancy headdresses and jewelry, and that's not Christianity. It is not. Think about what God did. He, he came here. He left glory. He left everything. He left the comfort that most people in the world look at the Americans and think we have. I mean, he left everything. He had no needs, no problems, everything to enter our world that is difficult and hard and did it as a baby. That says something. It should mean something. He left all. He created everything everything, and then came into his creation. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was a word, and the word already existed. He was with God. The world was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Nothing that was created except through him. The word gave life to everything it was created, and his life brought light to everyone. And yet the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Our God left everything to come down to earth, and yet we expect everything in life. We got it backwards. We messed it up. He humbled himself. He he poured out, emptied himself of his godness, the glory that was his. It was his. He emptied himself of that. And he needed to do that to be 100% man and 100% God. He limited his godness on earth, but he was that. Think about this. In Philippians, Paul says it like this. And I'm I'm giving you the entire context of this portion of Scripture because I think it speaks to us in our selfishness. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Social media is all about that, right? Don't do that. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. We cling to that stuff. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant, a slave, and was born as a human being. He appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on the cross. That's the God we serve. And yet we flip it all around and say, I need all these things and my life should be perfect and have no problems. Okay, though, isn't Christianity, though, supposed to make everything great? Like when you become a Christian, doesn't that fix everything? Yes and no. What does it fix? It fixes the most important things. It does fix those. The most important thing you will ever need or have an issue with is your relationship with God. It fixes that. And God sent Jesus here to fix that. That is the most important thing. You realize you can get to heaven with nothing. What was that old song we used to sing? What's that song about you can't get to heaven? Do you remember, remember that? Can't get to heaven. Right? With a limousine. Do you remember this corny song? Why? We sang, I don't know how y'all sang it, but in California we sang, because God ain't got no gasoline, corny as can be. But I got the message. It's not about the stuff. You don't go there with the stuff. You go there with him. Poor people go to heaven? Yes, they do. God Almighty, he fixes the most important things. You know what else he does? Yes, it it fixes everything because it fixes your relationship with him, which should fix your relationship with others. And if those relationships are right, what more do you need? That's everything. He fixes all of it. You get heaven thrown in. You also get free of guilt and free from the addiction to sin that drives most people. We're lied to. We think that things are going to be the things that satisfy or, or another drug or another experience or... It doesn't. It just doesn't. You know what it doesn't fix? You having a great life. Jesus actually promised that stuff would be tough in life. He literally said, you follow me, it's going to be tough. He said in John chapter 16, I've told you all of this so you may have peace in me. That's what you get. Peace with him. But here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows take heart, I have overcome the world. He overcame all that so that you could have peace with him. The most important thing you get. He po- James pointed out that it's our struggles actually that grow us. It's the things we walk through and go through that... And I, I mentioned this verse last week. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I don't know about you, but usually when stuff's going wrong, I don't say, Yay! What are you going to teach me through this? Now, sometimes I've done that, and I even laugh at myself when I do because I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's learn something. What can God do? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. Do you see what he says? Let it grow. You have a choice in this. You have a choice in how you deal with the issues that you deal with in life. And they're all different. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not talking about just one thing. Whatever your issue is, you have a choice. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. you realize Jesus had struggles? That son of God who left glory, poured out his, his godness to become human, he had struggles. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, some of the... Uh, Jesus' movies I've seen over the years, it just looks like he's kind of floating through life and no problems and everything's weird. It's just, that wasn't his life. It was not. He had struggles. You realize all the apostles suffered and died for their faith. All of them. None of them were prosperous. None of them. Their lives were nothing like ours. I was thinking about it this week. What if, and I know these are just ridiculous speculations, but what if... We could pop any one of those apostles into our world right now. What would they think? They'd be look. First of all, they wouldn't. I mean, it would be so bizarre to them. All the modern conveniences we have, of course, all the machines, all that would just be bizarre. Lights. I mean, think about everything. Almost everything we do on a daily basis would be so foreign to them. Running water, sanitation. But then the the virtual. I mean, we live better than most of their kings ever lived. Do you think about? I never think about it. I did this week. The clothes we wear—I mean, the fabric we, I mean, coats, I mean, shoes, shoes. Hmm. I don't know. It just blows my mind to think about 21st century America compared to them. Wow. So, what do you do with that? You know what? Let me say this: It's okay to question. Just don't stay there. It's okay. It's okay to ask God why. Just don't stay there. So many people get stuck there and then they never go past that. And then they just, they get in the habit of complaining and being upset and never get past it. Don't stick there. It's okay to, it's okay to question. But the bottom line is you have to choose to grow. You have to choose. A corny example, but I'm doing it anyway. You guys ever been in a boat? Were you afraid of the water? But what if the water gets in the boat? Then you got a problem. So what do you do? Do you sit there in the boat and say, Oh, I hate this water. This is not fair. Oh my gosh, I can't believe there's water in my boat. What do you do? Get the water out of the boat. It's not the water outside the boats, it's the problem. It's the water you let in. Are we all all God's children got problems? Every single one. What is the difference is what you do with them. Do not let them in. Do not let them in and, and damage your heart. Do not let them in and And make you question that God is good. (laughs) Take care of the water in the boat. Turn your bilge on. Right? And what happens to that? It just shoots out the back of the boat. It's gone. Oh my goodness. We We all have stuff, and our stuff's different. We all have hurts. We all have people who have hurt us. We've all made mistakes and failures. We all have that. We've also had victories. We have people in our lives, good, bad, they, they, they have affected us. And we can stop and look at that and think, okay, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to let it make me bitter or better? You realize that's up to you. Bitter or better? What do you think God wants it to do to you? Better. <laughs> now look, I, I know I talked about my accident last week, but let's think about this for a minute. Yes, I lost... A lot, I get it. I was there. At one point, when they did an assessment, I, they considered me seventy percent disabled. I don't even know how that works, honestly. But I, I say this, and I think about it every time I say it because I know how it sounds. But I think I actually gained more. I know that sounds weird. I know people ask me, "Could you, if you could go back and change it, would you?" And I'm like, no. Yes, I'd love to walk normal. I get it. No, you, you don't fully get it, but I'd love to pop out of bed and just run. I can't. I, 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 yeah. But it, let me just tell you some things that changed for me. It deepened my faith in a way that no other experience would have done. Now, maybe some others would have, but it deepened my faith in a way. Now, when I was in the hospital, I don't remember, you know, your, your memories get clouded with morphine and whatnot. But I do remember this. For a long time, every time I opened my eyes, I was grateful. I'll be honest with you. I don't do that every day today. But I did those days. Because I knew what the difference was. I wasn't even fully aware how close to death I was. Not to be gross, but when your foot's torn off... There, and I can't tourniquet. There's a lot of blood going out. I'm just saying. It deepened my faith. Now let me be honest with you. I didn't question God. I didn't blame him. I didn't doubt him. But it wasn't because I'm more spiritual. It was because I'd already had other things in my life, other tragedies that had happened where I did that, and God answers. The reason I'm sharing with this you is because if you have never had those experiences, I want you prepared for when they come because they come. To everybody. And they're different for everybody. It may not, God forbid, it wouldn't be, you know, a motorcycle accident for you. I don't want it to be that. But it could be a lot of things because a lot of those things in life that happen. I, was, I already knew God was good. That wasn't shaken for me. I already had dealt with that. I didn't think that my life should be perfect. I didn't think that. I'd already dealt with the idea of the enemy in the garden. I knew God was good. I wasn't doubting his goodness. I I didn't doubt the fact that if he said, don't touch that, there's a reason for it, and I don't maybe know all the details, but I don't want to touch it. I was already good with that. Was I supposed to have a charmed life because I'm a pastor? A lot of people think that. I'm not. I don't. Only good things happen to me. Every prayer I pray is answered. Right? Everybody likes me. The whole prayer thing, well, let's talk about this for a second. I mean, not to be, I'm just, I'm just trying to give you context, all right? Don't feel sorry for me. Don't you dare. Because I don't. don't. Don't do this. I I've tried to count, I think there was eight surgeries connected with this whole deal. I was in the hospital nearly two months, not quite, but nearly. I had to have three amputations because they gave me a, an infection in the hospital. And uh, the, right away when they found it, they cut another not to be gross, I'm sorry, but half inch off and then that didn't cure it eventually so they had to cut another four inches off. My hip had to be reconstructed. I had multiple knee surgeries. I had bone chips that were caused by the accident that grew and I had to be taken out. One time, this is kind of comical, once the swelling started to go down, I'm looking like, what's this pointy thing on my shin? And the doctor's like, oh. Put the screw in too far and it was shot out the other side. The screw holding my tibia and fibia together. I had... Early onset stenosis, probably caused by the accident, had to have multiple epidurals, finally a spinal fusion and a laminectomy. (sighs) Did you realize you can learn from all that? Look, nobody wants to go through junk like that. If you ask me, hey, you want to sign up for this? No, I'm going to sign up for this instead. Can I get all that with this? Like, is there a (laughs) sliding scale? I don't know, maybe I'm hard-headed enough and God said, you need to learn some things and it's going to take this much. I don't know. I'm just kidding. That's not scripture. I'm just me joking around. You know, you can learn through things if your attitude's right. Even the horrible, most worst things in the world. Tough home life, money tight, marriage issues, school harder for you than other people. Uh, There's so many things we walk through. I'll tell you, there's a few things, though, to think about. I don't know that you know what you can go through until you have to go through them. You just don't. You don't know what you're made of until you have to do it. And as you walk through it and you call on him and he comes and helps you, you realize not only does he help, but he can take you through more than you would have ever thought. Patience. I learned patience in ways that are weird, like... God, are you going to Hema? Is it going to be different? Is it ever going to be different? I'll tell you, I, I remember we, were, we moved to Minnesota not, not long after I got a leg. And one of the first things we, the youth group, uh, we, we got together with to a bunch of churches and we ended up, you know, see you at the poll that happens in September. And we thought, let's do this citywide event. And somebody said, hey, let's rent the dome. And we're like, you can rent the dome? You can rent the dome. Probably not the new stadium, but the old dome you could rent. And it wasn't even very expensive. It's 1500 bucks for all these churches due to a big event. So we get there to check it out. We walk in. Has anybody ever been to the dome? i would never been there yet. I just barely had had a leg for a couple of months. We walk in, and there's no railings. And the meeting was at the floor. And I remember walking in and looking at all those stairs and like, I'll catch up. Right? Oh, my God. It took me, oh, Lord Jesus. It took me, I don't know, 20 minutes to get down those dang stairs. But you know what, the next year I was halfway down before I realized, whoa, wait, what happened here? God does work in your life. It doesn't always happen on your time schedule. But it's things like that that you look back and think, thank you, Jesus. Okay, thank you, Jesus, I can walk downstairs. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's things like that. I remember with the back and the the nerve pain and all that. And I remember the first time I leaned down to wash my face and I didn't have to put my hand down to support like a wash with one hand. And I leaned over and thought, (gasps) <gasps> crazy right you become so grateful for things I was grateful for a God who loves and cares and he sends hope at times when you most desperately need it there was a moment when they first had found that first infection it was just like a big deal it was like a whirlwind They're like what have you had to eat today and I'm like coffee and he's like okay good you're going to surgery right now give us an hour and I remember sitting there with Nicole and just breaking down and like God what in the world what else it was that day I got a card in the mail at the hospital. I, don't, I may have got others. I don't remember any other mail. And it was from a professor, a Byron Klaus, I'd had in college. I don't even know if he remembered my name. And it was just a simple card. It said, Dennis, we're all praying for you. I thought, really? That's cool. I mean, I had no idea. I didn't know anybody knew. And then he's like, just want you to think about this. And he quoted Soren Kierkegaard. He's a theologian and... Um, I don't know about you, but when I think about the, the moment in the world history of all universe where God demonstrates his love for us the most would be Calvary, right? This quote says, God loves you every day just as much as he did the day he died for you. I don't know about you, but I needed that at that moment. I needed to know he still loved me. And that card came that God does that. Gratitude like I already mentioned, for my life, but also gratitude for my wife. She was there through all of that. I watched her suffer, I think, more than me. So grateful. She was there every moment, giving me an IV, dealing with gross stuff that's not her thing, I'm just saying. And she dealt with it. My kids, our baby Grace was six weeks old. I didn't get to hold her forever. And... uh I remember on Christmas, I got to hold her for a few minutes. I mean, I never knew. I mean, I, I got two more kids. It's amazing. I was so grateful for nurses and, and CNAs. My goodness, what they do is ministry. I was so grateful. I already mentioned this, but to have moments without pain, I mean, it's, it's crazy to be... When you finally are without it, it's crazy. Just to be able to walk, to take a shower. Oh, guys... When you start to look at these things and it just changes your perspective on so many things, being around people again, this sounds crazy, but just to carry your own glass of water, to be independent and not be so completely dependent, I couldn't do anything for myself. Couldn't even put my socks on. I mean, to be able to sit, I couldn't sit in a chair for a long time because my hip, anyway, you know what else it does? It teaches you about what people are going through that you just didn't know. I've been a pastor a long time already. I've been in countless hospitals. But it's different when you live in a hospital. It's just different. And you've experienced it. You have a different empathy for people who have been in accidents or walking through that or injuries altogether or how long the recovery process is and the doubt, the questions, the pain, the disappointment. It's different. It's different. Uh, I got to speak at a handicapped camp and I was kidding around with them I got this placard it didn't mean no good here (laughs) because they were all handicapped I appreciate having a knee I have a knee my leg goes to here people without a knee so much harder you know I spent time in a wheelchair I've been on crutches for months I know what it's like it's more than that though your identity, who you are. I know this sounds weird. I'm just going to tell you this, though, but I, I lost like 30 pounds in the hospital, but it was all muscle. I remember the first time I saw my legs. I know that sounds weird, but you're like, where did my legs go? They're gone. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm, I'm just going to be transparent with you. I, I've told this story a couple of times, not very often because it's embarrassing, but I remember the first time I got to go to the gym by myself, and um, I know it sounds crazy, but to drive myself, I sat in the parking lot for probably an hour, building up the courage to walk in because I wasn't me anymore. I didn't have a leg. I'm on crutches. Um, anyway, I crutched up to the door and somebody held the door open. I'm like, okay, thanks. I mean, I got this. You know, you just want to be normal. I got up to the counter. I think I mentioned this last week, but got up to the counter, and the, the ladies didn't see me walk in, and they're like, "Oh, crutch it! You sprained your ankle!" And they're like, "Oh my god!" You know. And then I'm like, "Oh great! All the attention I did not want. I just wanted to be invisible and work out one more time." But there was a guy at the gym. I'd known him for a long time. He's a wonderful Christian brother. He was a natural bodybuilder. I don't know if you know what that is, but he doesn't take drugs. But he's just ripped. He's like the perfect physique. He's perfect. And I saw him back there riding on the bike, he would do that for like two hours. And I thought, I don't want to see that guy. Does that make sense to anybody? Because I will, I really, you know, I'm not going to be here. Anyway, so I was kind of hiding out, doing machines and whatnot, and then all of a sudden I hear, Dennis! And I look over and I'm like, oh, Mike. He's like, come over here, come here, you know, and as I'm crutching over there, you know, and I had the aluminum ones that make all that noise, clack, clack, clack. I'm like, ugh. And I get there and he's like, oh, wow, I didn't notice what happened. I'm like, how do you not notice? <laughs> it's like, I thought that was everything people saw. And he's like, brother, he goes, I saw you, I hadn't seen you in a long time. I see you over there talking to people, encouraging people. I thought, oh, look at Dennis, just being Dennis. And he goes, you're not your leg. I needed to hear that that day. It was so, you feel so stupid admitting that, that's not me. Who you are is not your past, it's not your problem, it's not the thing, it's what God does in you and who he's made you to be, it's way more than that. Now I'm not saying, look, I know people who, uh, they're all about, you know, being an amputee and and using that as a platform to encourage people, that's great, and I don't mind doing that, I I do that all the time, but I'll be honest with you, I I needed healing from this to realize this is not me and I'm not that and I'm... I'm who God made it me to be beyond whatever I've gone through, which is true for you. You can be healed from whatever it is, even if you, it's your fault. I, I mean, you can be healed from those things. And by healed, it's funny, you're like, you grow a leg? No, my healing is this. I'm not a victim, and I'm not bitter, and I don't regret this. I, 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 I glory all the time in what God does through it. We're not our bodies. We're not. It's funny because Paul, Paul talks about this. A lot of times we read these scriptures at funerals because a lot of times people have died and they're older and their bodies broke down. It's funny because he says, our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? We have a world that's ahead of us that is far more than these physical mortal bodies, these mortal coils, which are just things we inhabit while we're here. This is not us. Now at a funeral, I would read this scripture at a gravesite and say, the person in the casket isn't even here. But do we realize that now? God did some things in my heart, forgiveness. For some of you, the, the pain that you're carrying is, is about forgiveness. We talk about forgiveness a lot in church because it's such an important thing. Do not carry a forgive unforgiveness wound around with you. Please don't do it. It could be something from childhood or high school. I know kids can be mean. You need to forgive. It could be some abuse that's happened in your life. Let God heal it. Don't be a victim. Don't carry that pain around it's not who you are maybe it's your faith and your trust and it's been damaged because of this something in your life and as i've been talking about it you maybe you feel a little guilt or maybe a little defensiveness is god good is he good is he good in your life is the things that have happened to you to make you wonder do you still trust him Maybe you're on and being honest about that this morning and you're thinking, I want to, but it hurts still and I don't still understand it. Why, why, why? We may never get answers to the why. We just may not. You may need help with that. Can I be honest with you? Faith is a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. And maybe it's not where it should be for you and you need help with this. You know what it reminds me of is the man who... Who brought his child and disciples had tried to pray for the child and the, the demon wasn't taken out. And he comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, it's, kind of, it's a funny portion of scripture. He says to Jesus, Have mercy on us and help us if you can. This is where I think Jesus and I are similar, maybe this one little thing. Because he said, What do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? And he says, anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cries out, I love his honesty. I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you are carrying a hurt and you want to give it up, but you know it's too hard. And maybe what you need to do is come to him and say, I want to forgive. I want to know you're good and trust that you're good, but I need help. He's here to help with that. He is. Some of it's us, because what you feed grows, and the, the people you surround yourself with, and if you want to be cynical, you can be cynical, and that will grow. And if the people you're around are negative, that will grow. And if the people you're around blame God, or blame others, or blame Christians, or whatever it is, that will grow. It's what you choose to feed into your heart and mind and your spirit. The music you choose to listen to, what you read, you put scripture in, it changes you. The prayer time, it changes you. I love this portion of scripture in Corinthians. You've got to take control of your thoughts. Paul says it like this. The weapons we, we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they had divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets it off, itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what Eve needed to do in the garden. She should have said, wait a minute. I know God is good. And what you are saying is not true. And I'm not going to let that in. I'm going to take that captive. Adam should have, he was, sounds like he was standing right there and didn't say anything. He should have jumped in and said, whoa, 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 whoa. God is good. He's not keeping us from good things. He's not responsible for this bad thing in your life. You know what else God does? He uses that pain if you were willing to heal others in ways you never saw possible. I can't tell you how many opportunities I've had to talk to people about this leg. It's ridiculous. Yesterday at the gym, it's always weird to me when someone comes up and puts their hand on your shoulder You're like, mm, what is happening here? It's this older gentleman, And he goes, I've seen you here a number of times. I just want to know what happened. Can you tell me? Some people are afraid to ask. I get it. People stare. They wonder. It's cool. I don't mind. I don't care at all. I love to talk about it. Because I know as I'm talking to him, there's four or five other people listening and wondering the same thing. I can't tell you how many times this happens. I've got an opportunity to talk about eternity just like that. Because I almost died. And we can talk about that. I've had that opportunity. I can't even tell you how many times. Strangers in Walmart. It's really funny. It's funny. Get to talk to people whose lives have been radically changed and they see something in me and they think, what happened to you? People in carts that are amputees and like, how do you walk like that? And we can talk about it. I've, I've literally been on hospital calls and had people ask me if I could talk to their family member who just had an amputation. It's, it's amazing what God will do if you let him. I think, I think as Christians, we're meant to walk with a little bit of a limp. You can hide all the problems, or you can let them be used by God to do amazing things. Galatians says, "Share each other's burdens. Share each other's burdens." I think about it. Let me ask you a question: What about you? You mad at God a little bit? Life been unfair? You see something's going through, someone's going through something and you dearly love them and you think, why them? Why? It's not a problem to ask that question. Just don't stay there. Is there somebody you need to forgive? Something you need to let go? I'm going to challenge you to do this. Maybe you are that person who's struggling with it. I'm going to challenge you to actually embrace the God who heals. And that's what he does. You have to choose it though. And what he does is he he takes all those things and he 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 fashions us more and more into the character of his son. Who suffered? His son who did not live a perfect life, nothing it, it didn't not everything was perfect. Second Corinthians at the end of this passage here in verse 18 it says, And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The thing is, you choose. You choose. If I could have Pastor Nick join me up here. I read this as I was preparing for this sermon, and I read this, and it just, it just hit me. It said, it was, somebody put this somewhere, I don't even remember where I saw it, but we're not happy because everything is always good. But we are happy because you know God is going to bring good out of it. Not because everything is good, but because he can bring good out of it. And there may be a situation in your life where I don't see good. I get that. We don't always see everything. We don't get to know everything. And honestly, I think it's almost like a kid making a tantrum, but I want to know now. Tell me. We don't get to tell God. There's times we just do not know. But then you get to choose. Listen to this for a second. He can give purpose to your pain. I don't know about you, but most people walking through pain, they want to know why. And they want purpose in it. And once they have purpose or a goal or something to do, changes everything God can give you purpose in your pain He will redeem your past He will He will give meaning to your mess (laughs) He will turn your failures into a future He will make a testimony out of your test I heard a preacher once I still laugh every time I hear the word testimony because of this preacher Here's what he said Y'all want the testimony, but you don't want the test. All you get is a money. <laughs> And I, I was like, wait, what? He's had to say it like three times for most of us to get it. We all want a testimony, but it takes a test to have a testimony. The thing is, we all have tests. You choose, though, whether you're gonna let it make you bitter or better, and whether it'll be a testimony or just a test. He takes and you're hurt and gives you hope. He, he makes a miracle out of the craziness of our lives. He takes your sin and turns it into a success that you didn't see possible. He gives reasons where we just don't see it. I'm going to challenge you to live not under the circumstances, but in victory over them. Not under People say, how you doing? I'm oh, good under the circumstances. Don't be under those. Don't let those in your heart and mind. Live in victory I want you to stand with me and I want you to shut your eyes. I ask you to shut your eyes just to give a sense of privacy in a room full of people. You choose to be a victim or victorious. You get to choose that. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that God causes everything to work together for those, for the good, for those who love God and are called according to its purpose. That's what he does. That's what he does. Someone needs to hear this today, but chapter 8 in Romans is so powerful. Maybe you feel like God has been distant or you've, in reality, what has happened is you have pushed him away because of things that have happened in your life and you don't understand or you're upset. And you, I get it. Don't, don't, please don't think I don't get it. I do. And my heart is with you. But let me just ask you some questions that Paul writes in chapter 8 here. So with your eyes closed, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have troubles or calamity? Hello? Or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither fears or today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The NIV says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So the question is, what about you? With your eyes closed, I just want to ask a simple question. Maybe you're here today, and you don't feel like a conqueror, and like that father speaking to Jesus, help me if you can. And Jesus says, I can. So you say to him, I believe, but I need help. Help me. Who here would say, I just need some help with this issue? Need help? You can raise your hands. It's good. I see those hands. My heart is with you because I understand. He's help. He offers us help this morning. I want to pray with you, with all of you. I I do want our prayer team, our spouses, pastors, wives, board, spouses, come on down because if you do need prayer after this prayer, I want you to have prayer down here. If there's something that you are dealing with, struggling with, maybe it's one of these issues that I have mentioned. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need to fill the Holy Spirit. Maybe you you need something that you want someone to stand with you in prayer. Please come, because we will pray. But I want to pray for everybody in this room as we get ready to dismiss. If you need prayer, just hop out right now and come down as I pray. But I want to pray for us. You choose. You choose if you're going to accept God's gift of victory and mercy, and let him walk with you through these issues. You choose. I want us to choose that today. So let me pray with all of us. Again, if you need prayer, special prayer, come down now. But for the rest of us, I'm going to pray for everybody in this room. Father God, I come before you this morning in victory, not as a victim. And I pray for everybody in this room today. God, I pray for every single one that whatever it is that they are struggling with, whatever it is that they have let into their heart that has started to make them question you or doubt you or doubt your goodness or that you're going to work through this issue. I pray, God, that in the name of Jesus, you would heal that and bring them to wholeness in you. I pray that you would convince them that the doubt is okay, but they don't need to stay there. God, I pray that you would work in their lives, whatever it is, if it's something physical, if it's something emotional, if it's something with somebody else, that God, you would work in that problem right now. God, I pray that you would take that thing and just like you say in Romans eight twenty eight, you would turn it into good. And that nothing can separate us from your love, not one thing. Nothing in the earth, nothing in heaven, no power on earth, no power in heaven, no power below. Nothing can separate us. And I pray, God, that you would reassure everybody in this room of that, that they would walk out of this place in confidence and peace and even joy, knowing that you are in the middle of this and walking them through us, and you would never leave us, you never forsake us, ever. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, for those who are far away from you right now and who need redemption. God, I pray that you would change their hearts and minds. I pray for those who are struggling, maybe they're in deep physical pain, God, that you would heal. I pray for those who are in deep emotional pain that you would heal and that you would take all of these things and turn them into good things for your name's sake. And we trust you with this and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today. I hope you take this message and you walk it out every day and with everybody you encounter. Encourage some people today. God bless you today.